Would you please stand with me now for the reading of God's Word? And we begin in the Old Testament from Psalm 119, verses 1 to 16. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 16. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes then I would not be ashamed. When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I turn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you, Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes with my lips. I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Finally, John chapter 14, verses 19 to 24. John 14, verses 19 to 24. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. All flesh is like grass and all of its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And all God's children said, Amen. Please be seated. If you have not done so already, I'd like to encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles, to James chapter 1, as we look at verses 19 to 21 this morning. 
James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. I have entitled this sermon, Faith Leads to Doing, Part 1. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come humbly before your throne of grace. We ask very simply, Lord, that you would allow us to sit at your feet and to hear from you, and that by faith we would hear everything that you have to say, and that we would walk away looking to do what you have called us to, according to your word. Lord, give us all that we need that we might glorify you. For it is in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. One day a young man who has discovered within himself a deep, zealous passion to act. Not on the movie screen, but in the live theater. He sees it as an art form And he desires to act on the big stage, that is, to be famous, to perform the major works that have been written over the years. And so as he thinks about this and all that that will entail, he approaches a famous orator. An orator, as I'm sure you know, is someone who is polished at public speaking. This particular orator, this young man comes to, has the ability to captivate his listeners. Every word that he utters seems to capture all of the ears of everyone who he is speaking to. And so this young man goes to him and asks for help with public speaking so that he can become the best actor that he can be. But as he comes to this orator, this great orator, after asking for help, he continues on with incessant, meaningless talk. He goes on and on about what he wants to accomplish, how famous he wants to be, what lengths he is willing to go to become the very best performer that he can be. And as he speaks, the more that he talks, He neglects to notice that this orator whom he has come to seek out the help of can't get a word in edgewise. The young man just keeps talking and this famous orator who he comes to help, to get help from can't interject a single word. And finally this young man reaches the point in the discussion where he wants to discuss the fee. The famous orator takes the opportunity to rather abruptly interrupt the young man so that he can finally speak. He says to the young man, he says, young man, to instruct you in orator, in oratory, I will have to charge you a double fee. The young man is taken back by this. He doesn't know what to make of it. And he's a little startled at what the orator has said to him. And he says, a double fee? Why? The orator looks at him and he says, because I will have to teach you two skills. The first, how to hold your tongue. And the second, how to use it. 
James, the brother of Jesus Christ, whose epistle we have been marching through as the primary issue for these Christians who are undergoing various trials to help them understand that because of God the Holy Spirit's regenerating work within them, which has awoken them and us from the deadness of our sins, also grows and matures our faith to not only want to understand the deeper things of God and His Word, but to live for Him in obedience according to His Word. James chapter 1, verses 1-4, through 4, James talked about the various trials producing patience within us and how faith leads us into trusting the Lord through those trials. In verses 5-8, through eight, James expounds on asking for wisdom by faith It also means growing to fight doubt within us when we pray for that wisdom. In verses 9-11, through James shows us that whether you are rich or poor, by faith our hope does not come from what we have or want, but by Christ and by Him alone. And last week, verses 12-18, to James writes that we know that our temptation comes from within our own hearts. Yet by faith we fight our flesh for His glory with the strength that He has given to us. This morning, faith leads us to doing the work of submitting to God's Word. Will you follow along with me, verses 19 to 21, as I read them for you? So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James' point here in verses 19 to 21 is the heart attitude with which as God's regenerated people, we listen to and do what God has called us to do according to His Word. Notice verse 19, James begins with, So then, my beloved brethren. Very much like you would see a therefore in other texts, and actually we see one here in verse 21, James, in saying so then, brings what was said from verses 1 to 18 to its conclusion. To summarize what has been said, we are first and foremost regenerated by God the Holy Spirit and therefore live by faith to glorify Christ. And secondly, because we are regenerated, we are the first fruits of all of creation. That is to say, as God's elect people who have been regenerated and sanctified, we are the recipients of His grace, and one day, regardless of how difficulties our trials might have been, one day we will be ushered into the throne room of God and presented to Christ as His bride. Therefore, James writes, verse 19, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, 
and slow to wrath. The issue is how do we read the Word or listen to it being preached and applied? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17 through 17, It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, having been born again, that is us, the church, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is like grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. You notice in verse 18 that James calls the Word the Word of truth. The point is is that if God's Word is breathed out by God, if it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, if it is the incorruptible seed by which we grow into Christ's likeness, if it is the word of truth, then when we hear the word preached, when we sit at its feet and listen to it in our daily devotions, then what we need to do is to read read it and listen to it with the utmost importance that we ought to be reading it in such a way that we understand what it is saying to us. Verse 19, James says, Be swift to hear. The word hear comes from the Greek word akuo. It doesn't just mean hear. It means to understand the message, to gather the point. He says, be slow to speak. That is a companion of the first. The idea here is, if I'm trying to understand you, then not talking as you speak, or the word speaks, is a stumbling block to our listening to it. But if we're reading it or we're listening to it, and the only thing that we can think of is what we would like to say in response to it, Are we listening to it? Are we reading it the way it ought to be read? He says, be slow to wrath. You notice that he uses the word wrath twice. Once in verse 19 and once again in verse 20. The Greek word orge is not a sudden outburst of anger like a like a sudden emotional outburst, but it is the slow resentment towards someone. So understand that what James writes to us here in these short three verses isn't a description about how we are to hear someone or being slow to anger or in wrath in the context of interpersonal conversation, although these things could be applied to that. What's actually being described here is the manner in which we hear, understand, and respond to the word being preached. In other words, even though it might be very difficult for us to hear or to read, what is our heart response to the word as we're going through it? If you would, please turn over with me to James chapter 3. 
verses 1 and 2. James writes, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able also to bridle the whole body. So James is going to deal with whether or not a man should be teaching and preaching. And he says that in the context of whether or not that man has the ability to control his tongue from speaking evil. We read Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 to 13. Jesus does show a righteous indignation through, through throwing the money changers out of the temple. Again, what James is addressing here is not this man's right to be speaking to us. The assumption is that what's being spoken is being rightly divided. What is being addressed here is our response at a heart level to the challenge being set forth in Scripture. You don't listen. You don't argue in your heart or or become angry at the man doing the speaking simply because the word challenges you if you don't like it. The idea here is that the redeemed of the Lord who are being sanctified by the word do the work of listening to the word of God by faith. Let me show you something. Would you please turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Acts 17, verse 11 says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. The idea, very simply, is whether or not we are students of the Word whether we listen attentively to what's being said or what it is that we're reading in a devotional, whether we give the due diligence of the Word of God as we ought, or are we simply reading it to cross it off as one of the day's activities? Do we allow the Word to do what it is supposed to do? It's sharper than any double-edged sword that it penetrates the heart? Do we allow the Word of God to say what it is going to say and to challenge us the way it is going to challenge us? And will we submit to it even if that Word is hard? With a willing spirit, I would add. It is verse 20 of James 1. It says, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The idea here is that the personal anger and bitterness and resentment that can never serve the cause of Christ and it does not accomplish what is right in God's eyes. In other words, if we are easily angered or frustrated, perhaps you fight what you hear from God's Word, but you want to produce righteousness in your life, that what James is telling us is that we need to fight the flesh 
and walk according to the Spirit. Did you know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, we're not going to turn there, but Paul tells us of sins that if habitually committed, that is, they're, they're done without repentance, there, there is no effort of turning from them, that our continuing on in that sin will prevent us from entering into the kingdom of God. Did you know that two of those that are listed on that list is a contentious spirit and outbursts of wrath. So James isn't simply telling us that we need to, you know, look polite as if we're listening. We actually need to listen, that we need to read the word in light of trying to ascertain what it means. But if we struggle with anger because of what we read, then that isn't of the Lord. He says, because of those things, verse 24, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So again, because anger cannot produce the righteousness of God, we must be hearers of the word, slow to speak and slow to wrath because we are the first fruits of his creatures. We must again lay aside He says, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. The phrase or verb lay aside is from the Greek word that is an aorist participle. What that means is that in order to receive with meekness the implanted word, if it's our desire to do what verses 19 and 20 tells us, we must first lay aside or get rid of all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Filthiness from the Greek word ruperiai. It literally means to, to, that, that the wax in the ear that's left impairs the hearing. That the, the word overflow, parasea, literally means an overabundance. The idea here is that if we don't do the due diligence of dealing with our hearts and the sins that so easily entangles us, getting to what God wants us to do according to His Word, whether it is here on a Sunday or at home in our personal reading, we will not get there to the fullness should we not deal with the true conditions of our hearts. Paul tells us the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22-24. to He says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He says it again in Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 to 10. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So in what heart condition do we come to the Word? Do we come ready to hear what it has to say 
Whether we are listening to a sermon or we have come to read it, you know, what is our heart attitude? Do we deal with the things that God's Word calls us to deal with? Or don't we? No differently than the Bible telling the regenerated believer to fight the flesh, James tells us here that in order to walk as Christ has called us to, to be a listener to and a doer of what God's Word calls us to, a person by faith who submits to God's Word, you must first rid yourself of wrath and anger over the hard things God points out concerning the things we must deal with. That's what it means to be following after Him. To hear from the Word of the Lord. James compares this very thing later on to a person coming to a mirror. We're not simply looking at the mirror and then, you know, kind of glancing at ourselves and then walking away. We come to the mirror and we take a a, a deep look. We see ourselves. And the foolishness, James says, of coming to a mirror and then looking intently at ourselves and then walking away and literally seconds after forgetting what we saw is tantamount to our coming to the Word and not allowing it to do its good work, to challenge us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to encourage us. And not only in that moment, but to walk away thinking about what we had just read. Or to sit under preaching, whether it's here or on the radio or on a CD or a podcast or whatever we listen to. Should that man be preaching the word of the Lord in context as it is supposed to be presented, we do a disservice to the word of the Lord if we hear it or read it and then walk away and forget about what we had just heard. One intention What motive do we have when we come to the Word? Do we come here on a Sunday morning, both to Sunday school, to church, to the main service that is, to catechism, to our men's or women's study, with a heart attitude of readiness to learn? Or is it just an activity that we have that fills up a night. Let me show you something else, though. Chapter 4, verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. So that we don't walk out feeling overly burdened, I'd like to remind you of what he says. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. See, the beautiful thing here is as difficult as the Word of the Lord might be. Perhaps hearing this might be difficult for some. Is that the Word of the Lord isn't asking you to hurry up and to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. What it's actually calling us to do is to humble ourselves 
beneath the mighty, kind, merciful hand of God in admittance that these are things, if I struggle with them, that I struggle with them. And the Word of the Lord gives us the promise that when we humble ourselves, He will lift us up. What that needs to mean to us on a practical level is that if I come across something that is utterly challenging and hurts my heart to hear, that if I go to Him in humility, He will lift me up, He will encourage me, He will strengthen me. He will do that for me, for you. He hasn't left you to simply do what He has called us to. He is walking with you, leading you, guiding you, helping you by God the Holy Spirit. So that we can become, as it were, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. You know, the interesting thing here, verse 20, 21 about the implanted word is that that's plant metaphor. You ever grow a plant? You, you grab the seed. What do you do? You slap it in the dirt. You cover it up. You pour some water on it and you watch that baby grow. Well, doesn't it do the same thing for us? by His grace and by His mercy. Don't walk out of here thinking I need to hurry up and pull myself up by my own bootstraps. What you need to hear is that the Lord our God is with you even in the midst of hearing a hard word that forces us to grapple with the true condition of our hearts. Because when we do, He will lift you up. Something funny happened when we first moved here to Minot in the parsonage. It's embarrassing to me, but I'm going to share it with you for the purpose of our sanctification. We didn't know it, but the fire alarms in the parsonage are extremely sensitive. So after we had moved in, getting into our routine as quickly as we could, you know, at the end of the day, Ruth takes a bath or a shower. The thing about that that I want to throw out there, although I don't want to embarrass her, is that if she takes a bath, the water is so hot that an hour later, as she's getting out of the bath, the water is still warm. So she takes such hot baths. But you walk in there and it feels like a sauna. The, 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 the mirror is completely fogged up. And so one day after we had moved in, Maybe a week or two afterwards, she comes walking out. The door is open and all the steam comes out. And that sensitive uh, fire alarm is right there. And beep, beep, beep. Ruth, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rachel is in the kitchen and I'm in the basement. Oh. I shot up like a 17-year-old. Like a buck in the wild, man. And I went upstairs, and I'm, I, I have a check, check, uh, uh, I have a list. I gotta get Rachel, I gotta get Ruth, I gotta get our Bible, I gotta get the dog, we gotta get out of here. And emotion is surging through my body. There is a fire, and we need to get out. 
But I get upstairs, you know what happened? There's no fire. There's just Ruth walking around in the towel. And steam coming out of there like we're at the Y in the in the, the steam room. The point is this, when we experience intense emotion, we have to learn to discipline the flesh and examine those feelings. In other words, they don't get to run rampant over your life. They have to be brought under subjection. See, the alarm was very real. My feelings, which were surging through me, were real. But under the guidance of God, the Holy Spirit, we have to see if what is indicated through those feelings is real. You come to the Word, and sometimes it's difficult to understand, sometimes it's difficult to hear. The challenge of going through the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes the challenge that Jesus Christ offers to us by way of the heart is some of the hardest stuff that I've personally ever read. But you don't just get to feel the surge of emotion and then just sit there in it. We have to examine where that is coming from and then the word of the Lord would call us to deal with what we have read. Understand that again, nobody is saying that our feelings aren't legitimate and the struggle isn't real. It's that if God's word is preeminent in our life, then it ought to be read and listened to as such. And not only that, but our heart of hearts has to be dealt with We have to ask ourselves why we're feeling the way that we do when we're struggling. Be honest with ourselves and then humble ourselves under the mercy of God and He will lift you up. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge that it is And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would take heed of this, that we would look to make much of you, and that as we humble ourselves, you would lift us up. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to honor you for the glory of your precious name. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.